Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's pulling back the curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people, and what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight-up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm Press. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. Alexa, what is the baddest podcast in the land? Here's Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. Season three of the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast is brought to you by Sumato Coffee. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners will receive a 20% discount on your order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit their website at www.sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people? And what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with our rawest opinion, while giving you the straight up facts. That's right, no fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm Press. On this episode, we pull back the curtain on critical race theory and much, much more. Press was popping, baby. Hey, Jules, this is your world, bro, man. Uh, it's been a minute since I hollered at you. I know you had some time away to, to relax and unwind. Everything good? You know, I'm always winning, but it's been it's been a little different these past couple weeks and stuff. I'm just chilling, man. I'm just chilling. I'm just trying to get my mind right. That's all, man. But but everything, everything good. God is good, man. I'm winning. So, so I'm good, man. I'm just, just got to keep moving, man. How, how about yourself? You listen, man, same. And I, and I know exactly where you're going with that, man. It's just a lot going on and, you know, just personally and things that are going on in the world. So I just advise anybody that's listening to this show right now, and Jules has said this in the past, man, it's, it's okay not to be okay. You know, take things a day at a time, but please make time for yourself. When you start to feel overwhelmed with different things that are going on out here, man, go travel, go see something, get out of your current environment. I've done that, and Jules did that recently, and that stuff helps. Right now, these are some strange times, and I think we all got to take care of ourselves, you know, and each other, too. Shit. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Hey, bro, we go way back, so I know to pick up the phone and call you, whatever you're doing. I know you was doing your thing, too. Oh, man, that, that trip was nice, bro. It was a real good time, man. Eight days, you know, being on the island. The one thing I'm just going to say about being away in these different islands, man, I feel really bad for people that they depend on tourists, you know, for their income, because not only did they have COVID, you know, last year that shut down the island, but then they had get hit with a hurricane a couple of years ago. So because of that, you know, sometimes you deal with people that may be a little money hungry, maybe not 
ethical people and the way that they deal with you because they only look at you as a dollar sign. That was the only negative I had for the trip. But as far as, man, just being away and just having that time to unplug, Jules, mm. brother, is exactly what the doctor ordered. <laughs> yeah, man. I, hey, I second it, man. You definitely, definitely need those times away. Yes, sir. And, and, and to your point that you were making a second ago, man, I don't give a fuck how busy I am. And that phone ring, I'm going to text you back like, hey, you need me? Hey, I'm there. I got you. You know what I'm saying? You know how that goes, man. I don't oh, care what yes, I got sir. going on. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. The audience, as I mentioned earlier, just take more time for yourselves because right now, we don't even know if we're facing another potential lockdown coming up. So I just want people just to, man, protect your mentals out here because, man, these these times, man, it's just, it's been interesting. I had so much time when I was away, Jules, to just like sit, you know, by the ocean, was listening to like music, just oh. clearing my head, bro. What was you listening to? So, man, I had a little Maxwell going. Um, oh, I yeah. had a little, you know, oh, a little yes, D'Angelo. You know, oh, I had a little. You was, uh, was vibing. I was vibing, man. I had a little Lauren Hill joints going, NDRE, a little her. Man, I was, I was, I was vibing out there. <laughs> Come on, man. That's man. You sitting back with your eyes closed, or just watching that that ocean, that sunset, with your nice little drink. Yes, listen sir. to listen to that neo soul and and funk. Ooh, man, that's nice. Yes, sir, man. But it, it was just what the doctor ordered. You know, we I came back to reality and reality slapped me in the face as soon nope. as I got back. <laughs> hey, man, don't you, hey, don't you hate that? Yeah, man, man. You go away and you escape things and you come back and it's like business as usual. <laughs> yep, yep. That shit, the life was just like, oh, yeah, I'm glad you had a nice little week off, but here you are. <laughs> a a, fr- a we, fresh plate of shit to deal with. <laughs> yeah, we waiting on you, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like welcome home <laughs> right but at least well, you know say at least you kind of uh you, you know he's able to recharge and go ahead and you can you can tackle it now that's right that is right um but hey well you know speaking with the whole vacation aspect of things audience our fair of foul is inspired by my recent vacation so jules i'm gonna hit you with this one real quick <laughs> i'm gonna give you the okay. backstory before i hit you with the question so let's just say you got people in the villa together. It might be late night after a nice dinner, right? You might have had a couple bottles of wine. You've been kicking it, chilling. You come back to the room. You pull a little music on. You, you guys are dancing, having a good time, right? All right. So I wasn't necessarily looking at the time on the uh, on the clock, but security knocks on the door. Noise complaint. Uh-oh. Said, hey, people said, hey, yeah, it's disturbing them a little bit. So, Jules, fair or foul on people that make noise complaints while they're on vacation. I'll go with foul. Because <laughs> you're on vacation. <laughs> yeah, you're on vacation. That's the whole idea, is to kind of do things and unwind and do things that you, you you really don't get a chance to do while you're at home, either work or family or kids or school. You're so busy, you, you don't know if you're going or coming. So while you're on vacation, you get to relax, you get to hang with your, your significant other, or you have a family vacation spot. You get to laugh, dance sing, eat, and just be happy. Now, the person, that, now, them people that, that called, <laughs> they wasn't having a good time. I don't think so either, man. Because <laughs> if they're asleep at that hour or whatever, at a spot like that, well, you know, something wrong. Yeah, you ain't vacationing, right? Right. Like, well, what you doing? And so, you know me, Jules, you know my petty ass. 
So oh, security happened? guard comes through. First of all, I was like, why are you bothering me? <laughs> and he was like, I got this complaint, blah, blah, blah. I was like, uh-huh. who made the complaint? And he starts, he's like, I can't tell you. I say, I, I say, $10, you could tell me. I give him the $10. He points up above us. I'm like, bet. So I go back to the room, and this now will be another fair file question for next week. I called down to the front desk, and I made a noise complaint on them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I turned that music right back up. I ain't had no problems for the rest of the time we was down there. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you're on vacation. Yeah, like, man, what are we talking Michael. about? Yeah. Let's say if it's like 3 in the morning, right? Okay, fine. I can uh-huh. say, okay, maybe that's borderline. Bro, it might have still been okay. about 12 o'clock or something around that line. So I'm like, come on, man. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. You good. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't tripping on them. I'm like, okay, y'all just mess with the wrong people. Because I'm like, I'm about to go call on y'all. So now your little noise complaints in the future ain't going to do nothing. Because they be like, oh, you you called on them, but they called on y'all too. So it canceled, it, it mm-hmm. canceled itself out. <laughs> yeah. And they got the picture because you said you even heard nothing else, huh? Nothing else. And we and then like we it changed the way we was doing our thing. Cause I'm like, you know me, man. I, I'm a work hard, play hard type of cat, man. I get my shit done, man. But when I'm on vacation, you already know the vibes, Jules. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's good. That, hey, that's a good one, man. <laughs> yes, sir. And I know audience, you guys are probably gonna be like, man, fair or foul on press calling and doing the reverse oh, man. noise complaint. Hey, you you did an Uno with that reverse. You dropped that that, that reverse card on. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. That's when that bitch, that person was like, what? We're like, what? We're sleeping. What, <laughs> yeah, what we do? <laughs> Everybody snoring too loud, man. I can hear you. Right. You being lame too much. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. But I can't wait to I can't wait to hear what the audience got to say on this yeah. one. And also the future fair file question we're gonna have on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was prayers foul for. It was very fair for calling the the people's on upstairs neighbors. Oh, that's a good one. I tell you one thing, it's funny. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, I had told you know what is funny. All this, we don't get to the mailback questions here in a second. But I had told the guy at the uh, we we got real friendly with the people at the bar at the resort, and we told him about that. And he was like, "Man, he was like, bro." He said, "We got a DJ playing music to one to two o'clock in the morning." He said, "Some folks just." He said, man, they just always got some reason to complain about something. I was like, yep. Mm-hmm. And either rates. <laughs> they got over it real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yes, sir. All right, let's get into these mailbag questions, Jules. We had some good ones today, man. So the first one came over from Oscar from Effingham, Illinois. And Oscar okay. wanted to know, how did we feel about Justin Fields' first preseason game? Jules, talk to him. Uh-oh. Perez, I, you know what? I looked at the highlights. I know Chicago, Prez, you guys over at the Bears, the Central, Chicago State of Mind, all that. I know you guys are excited. I know Chicago should be excited. Mm-hmm. Because what I what I saw in red, I said, okay, we got something. Mm-hmm. We got something here. Just to start off a little rough, a little shaky, which is to be expected. Let's right. be honest. But then he kept his composure. He drove the ball where at the end, uh, almost at the end of the half, putting up three points. And then mm-hmm. coming back from Halftime, driving the ball down the field, and then he set up his own rushing touchdown. Man, you can't ask anything else from a quarterback to, you just didn't start off good, but you get the mindset, say, I'm going to be okay. Let me calm down. Let me look at the field. Let me read this defense. Let me hit my players. Let me just keep throwing. Keep feeding. About press, the question is, I'm looking at Nagy like, 
you in some trouble. Oh, yeah. He ain't got no easy decision, do he, Jules? Right. He, you in some trouble. Because I'm listening to you guys over in the pod on the Bears Essential. Y'all was talking about, hey, when we expect to see uh, Justin in. And Nagy said, hey, we stick with Andy. I know we got Buffalo coming up. Yep. You're going to see more of Justin because, you know, Nagy want to give him some more snaps, mm-hmm. some more looks. If he play good here, Nagy got a tough decision to make. Yes, he does. But for the question, how, how do I feel? I feel excited. I can't wait because I'm going to the game on the 3rd of uh, October. Oh, nice. The road game? I think they play Detroit. Oh, that's right. Yes. They play yes. Detroit because, uh, you know, my pop's birthday on the 5th. So, you know, we do that, you know, to uh, birthday treat for him, birthday outing for him. Yeah, man. Y'all some y'all some good kids, man. Salute to y'all. <laughs> Thanks, man. Oscar, I 100% agree with Jules on this one. Justin Fields, man, it was a tale of two halves with him. And as Jules mentioned, he got off to a little bit of a shaky start. I think some of that was also because of the people that he was playing with because of these are second and third stringers. So they were making some mistakes, penalties, bad snaps, whatever. But the point that Jules made that I really appreciated is the fact that it wasn't the fact that he struggled, but it was how he came back from those struggles. Mm-hmm. And he looked like a total different quarterback in that third quarter. And that was the guy that we all envisioned that Justin Fields was. And I'm going to tell you one thing, Jules. I don't usually go to preseason games. I usually donate those tickets to, like, Chicago Public School and let those kids go. Man, I had to go to this first game. I ain't even going to lie to you. And the reason why I wanted to go is because I wanted to see Justin. I wanted to see how he was going to perform. And I'm telling you, brother, he was worth the traffic that it took for me to get to the game. He was worth the walk over to the game. He was worth sitting in that heat. <laughs> Everything. Okay. It was worth it. It was worth it. Okay. I mean, he put on a show, bro. And I'm telling you, when he scored that touchdown, the one that you talked about when he ran in, you couldn't even hear yourself in that stadium. It felt like a regular season game. We was missing that, Press. Yes, sir. We was missing that. When you get somebody just to a rushing touchdown and uh, the crowd goes, the the stadium goes up. Oh, man. That thing went up, bro. It went up. And I'm telling you, if I was Andy Dalton, and you know how I've been preaching patience about this situation as well. Uh-huh. Yep. Man, when I was sitting in that stand, Jules, <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, I don't know if I can sit on this, this same talking point going forward. Because I'm like, this guy showed us a lot in this brief amount of time. And I'm thinking, I would love to see what he would do against the starters. So to the point that you were making, now Nagy's like, okay, we're going to give him more time against the ones. That's the next test to see uh-huh. how he does against starting lineup now if he goes and he starts snapping off again brother naggy i do mm. not want that i do not want to be in your place man right because you sit up here you got this man from um dallas you got dalton to be the starter you've been preaching and he's the starter yeah and justin come out here lighting it up and people are like hey we want justin in <laughs> we want Justin. yes sir he's fast he's big he can throw yes sir total package bro come. and he's got that it factor man did you see that confidence, the, the way he was playing, bro, mm-hmm. as a rookie? Well, that's what we're talking about. He even said himself, or Nagy rather said, it is not how you start, it's how you finish. I believe right. either Nagy or, or Justin said, I forgot. That's but Nagy. What else can you ask for? So you, you see he got the mental toughness. You see it right there, and that's the first game. Yep. I like what I'm seeing. I'm going to try to meet up with y'all at that, that Lions game too, man. Shit, because shit, you oh, never cool. know. Just, Justin may be trying, he may be starting in that game. Shit, you never know. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but Nagy, if he come out on Buffalo and do this uh, and continue where he left off, mm, I would not want to be in that boardroom. No way. No way. And, and this is another thing, too. Now, this game coming up against Buffalo, 
Mitch Trubisky returning to the Soldier Field. Oh. <laughs> so now Justin really get to turn up. <laughs> <laughs> is that uh is that the Maserati? That's Maserati the Maserati Mitch. Mitch. <laughs> you gotta get a name for, for Justin. You gotta get a name for Justin. Yeah, we're gonna work on that one. We gotta work okay. on it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Oscar, great question. We're all excited about Justin Fields and the future of this franchise. Next question comes over from Candace from Des Moines, Iowa. And her question was, what was your favorite moment from the Tokyo Olympics? Thank you for that question. Mm. Was, the Olympics were really dope, by the way. Yeah, I was uh, I was watching some, some of those uh, events on the uh, Olympics. I like Allison Felix getting her 11th. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, passing Carl Lewis, the great Carl Lewis. Mm-hmm. The GOAT. Yeah. It was a good ending for her, for that chapter for her. I know she have a young family. She probably go and spend time with her family or she might do some might be a coach uh one day in the future olympics who knows but mm-hmm. yeah that was one of one of my favorite uh takeaway from the olympics with her passing carl lewis getting the 11th uh gold medal no Jules, i mean I i'm sorry not uh overall medal i'm sorry overall sorry. overall medal yep. for track and field no and that was a good one too man because you know you know i'm a big track and field fit person and just watching her over the years of her career and a lot of people don't even realize this she recently had a kid, like maybe what a year or two ago. So she mm-hmm. talked about the yep. struggles of her getting her body back, getting back into shape from that, which a lot of people don't even understand that these female athletes have to go through a lot when they want to compete. So big shout out to her there. But then also, she's 35 years old and she held her own in that competition. I mean, in that 400 meter race, she won the bronze. That four by four relay, she ran the yep. second leg and they got that gold. Got the gold. Perfect. Good. What a what a good good chapter there. What a good book for her story right there. Yes, sir. Mine is man. There's so many, but I, I got to go with Sunni Lee. She won the gymnastics uh, all around the gold medal. Mm, right. And you know, a lot of people, you know, going into this, they thought Simone was going to hit that boy. You know, and so Simone had to, uh, you know, take a step back because you know she was going through some mental, you know, you know, health uh, issues and concerns at the time. But Sunni Lee, she stepped up. And she got that gold. And one of the things that I loved about her in that moment is she talked about how she was in Simone's shadow all this time. And she said this was her opportunity to tell people and show people that, hey, she's legit too. And I love that. So basically, she took that moment and took that opportunity and got that gold medal. So I thought that was a really good moment from the Olympics. Right. That was very dope. You know, Prayer, sometimes things happen for a reason. Yes, sir. Things happen for a reason. Simone, who's the GOAT, you know, things happen and she had to take a step back, like as you said. Like Miles always said, one monkey don't stop no show. <laughs> so the team had to step up. And that person came up and held her own and got the gold. And if Simone didn't step away, if she didn't step away, what would happen? And you know what? That's an important question there, Jules, because it could have been a situation where it had been them one and two right. in, in whatever type of order. Maybe Simone would have probably won it, but you know, I don't know. So Stuff to say. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. right. So that right there, she was able to dig deep. So I'm going to go out here and do this thing and, you know, wonderful. You want go. Yes, sir. And she about to get paid because them endorsements, they coming for you, Sony Lee. Ooh, man. <laughs> man, embrace it. Have fun with it. because That's deserve- right. That's right. And the one thing, too, before we get to the next question, I don't think a lot of people, Jules, take into consideration the mental anguish that these athletes put on themselves because you're competing you have all this pressure of representing your country. You probably got some sort of a brand that you probably represent. There's so many pressures that these athletes face that a lot of people don't think about. 
So when these guys do win or these ladies do win the gold medal or silver or bronze, that's usually their, you know, treat to themselves. And I hope that they can sit and enjoy those accomplishments instead of just being relieved that they got the job done. You know what I mean? Right, right. No, I feel you because you you need time to decompress. Hey, Mm -hmm. I did it. You put your body and your mind into some stress, waking up the, the, the regimens, the discipline, the diet. You mm-hmm. go out there, you win it. Hey, just enjoy it. Now, just let loose. Eat a pizza. Eat a whole pizza. Drink some <laughs> beer or something. Relax and enjoy it, like you said. <laughs> That's right, because you did it. You did um, it. All right. Well, hey, great question there, Candice. The next one comes over from Mary from Canton, Georgia. And Jules, she wanted to know, what is our greatest fears in life? Wow. I got deep, dig deep on this one. Mm-hmm. I don't have many, I don't have many fears, but one thing for sure is to leave this world without fulfilling my dreams or things that I have I want to do and they'll get a chance to do because of time or my own indecisiveness or sure. being afraid of to do it and thinking about what, what people will say or think of me. So that's one of the the, the 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 fears that I have leaving this world without fulfilling my dreams. Hey man, I think that's some real talk right there, and I'm sure listeners, as you you listen to Jules say that, you guys can relate to that because I think there's a lot of us. I mean, think about 2020, Jules. That year took a lot away from us, right? And I think it's important for people to now try to do what they can to get back to being themselves again, right? And it takes practice, it takes work, and it takes time. And we don't promise tomorrow. So we just have to focus every day on being the best version of ourselves each day. So, Jules, that's that was that's real talk right there. Mary, my greatest fear, and this is probably not going to be a shock to anybody that's listened to this show over the last year and a half, but <laughs> mine is failure. I think for me, okay. the way I move and the way I live in life, man, I grew up with a lot of people telling me that I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. And I've really gotten to this point in life by being able to prove people wrong. I told you guys a story about, you know, a kindergarten teacher that told my mom that she thought I had a learning disability and that I wouldn't be able to excel in school. Well, you know, I got a master's degree. So I thank her for that motivation. I also love the fact that people do try to count you out because they don't understand you or they you're or you may be different to them in how they may do something one way and you do something a different way. And so for me, failure is the thing I think that at the end of the day, it just comes down to me wanting to be the best version of myself. And no matter what I do, shit, I could be, uh, I could be going to the to the park and throwing a football around. Shit, I want to throw the best spire at anybody throwing that damn spire out there, Jules. That's just okay. how I roll. <laughs> you want to be the best. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, but at the same time, too, I also don't get blinded by wanting to succeed at all costs. Because sometimes in failure, there's lessons that you learn, right? And you can learn from those lessons and then they ideally can help you to succeed in a different path down the road. So even in some places, if I do fail at something, well, I learn from that. And then you carry uh-huh. those lessons on forward. So that that was mine. Oh, that's a great lesson right there. That's a great lesson. Goes to show you, you'll succeed, but not you're not going to succeed in everything. And then the, the ones you don't, those are learning curves and, and give you experience to to get get back up and attack it again and move forward and you'll succeed. Man, that's that's those are good lessons right there. That's a good one on press. 
Yeah, man, because you know how it is, and you kind of talked about it uh, in yours. I think sometimes in life, man, we allow fear to stop us from moving forward mm-hmm. with any sort of progress in our lives. And so, man, sometimes we're our wor- worst own enemy, man. You're right. You're right about that. Man, so that was a great question. Yes, sir, man. Audience, thank you so much for these. The last one we got comes over from Josh from Lincoln Park in Chicago. Josh wanted to know, Jules, what were your thoughts on the Bulls' free agency moves? You know what? I haven't been to a Bulls game since, uh, I think, Bulls in the playoffs with Cleveland. Well, you're talking about the Jimmy Butler days and the the D-Rose days? Yep. And I've been upset with basketball because I didn't like... I didn't like the direction with all these super teams. I just, I couldn't get with it. <laughs> but this past playoffs and championship was good because it wasn't super teams. And I was like, cool. And it seemed like a lot of the teams that are playing now in the NBA are, is getting more, more even now. Mm-hmm. It seemed like you got better competition. Yep. With that being said, Bulls did some, some free agency moves, ended up getting some key players. DeRozan and now, I ain't gonna lie. When I found out we got Lonzo, I thought we paid a little too much for him. Okay. I thought we feel because I think it was a four years, I think 80 million, I believe. It was 84 for him. 84. Yep. I thought it was a little high, but hey, it's not my money. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, with those pieces, with, uh, with Demar, with, with Lonzo, we still got uh, Zach. We got, man, Ayo's over there killing it in, in the um, summer league. Yes, sir. I'm excited with the moves. I like what the uh, the Bulls are doing, like the direction. Uh, we have the coach. We got the gym. I, man, I can't, I can't wait for the season to start. Yeah, I'm with you too, Jules, man. I have not been to a Bulls game. God, man, it's been at least two seasons, obviously, okay. during the pandemic. But I didn't go to a single game last year. And it's been tough, man, because you know how much of a damn Chicago sports fan I am. But I just love being at these games live. So it's hurt me not to go to those games. But I had to, for myself, Say, you know what? My money is more important to stay in my pocket than to be given to an organization that doesn't care about winning and all they want is to take my money. That's how I felt about the organization and the regime previously. But to your point, with the new regime, I love the moves that they've been making, man. They've been doing a really good job. And like you said, bringing in Lonzo Ball, bringing in DeRozan, really solid moves. Mm -hmm. Now, I... Slightly disagree with you on the Lonzo thing. I didn't think that one was an overpay because that's kind of about the going rate for these damn point guard contracts now. However, okay. you know who I did think we overpaid on a little bit? What's that? Who's was that? on DeRozan. We gave him $85 million over three years, but we had to give up a draft pick, a number mm. one draft pick. And you know, man, them draft picks, you don't want to be trading away all your right. draft picks. Right. So Especially that was number one draft pick, too. Yeah, because you don't know what mm. that'll end up being. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get, I, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. But Mm. to the point that you made, though, I look forward to the season because now if you look at this damn starting lineup that we have, we haven't had a competitive starting lineup like this since the Butler Rose days. And so it gives you a little bit of of happiness, something to look forward to with this team. So hopefully they can take the next step, man. And I think anything short of them making the playoffs would be an ultimate failure for this organization. So hopefully, man, they do what they need to do. We have to get in the playoffs. This this one, we have to. Yeah. Spending that kind of money getting these players. We got players that people want to come to see. Demar bit is a is a veteran. He's a veteran, he's a leader. Mm-hmm. And this pretty much Bulls is somewhat, you know, it's a young team. So we need that type. We need him to really step up and lead the team. Yeah. Like I said and earlier, I I, th- mm-hmm. I think we're missing one thing we're missing is identity. 
now we might be able to form this identity and, and start winning. Yeah, because like you said, when you got a guy like DeMar, hey, he, he's coming from the Spurs. He's coming from the Toronto Raptors. He's come from winning organizations. So right. he'll be able to bring that here. He'll be able to work with Zach Levine, you know, and maybe it'll make Zach Levine into a better player, right? Having Lonzo Ball here gives Zach Levine the opportunity to play off the ball more. So Zach Levine will have to always create offense for the team and also for himself. So he's got somebody that will be able to help him with that. So all in all, man, I thought they were really good moves. And then they also picked up Caruso, which some people feel like it was an overpay because they gave him $37 million. But, you know, we'll see how it shapes up. I mean, Caruso is going to be able to come in here and play some defense. Audience, if you guys are Bulls fans, you know that our defense was awful last right. season. So anybody that can come in here and help on defense, I'm, I'm all for it. Man, so we can't wait. Man, can't I def- wait. definitely can't wait. And hey, they might get me and Jules out to the UC uh, this, this, yeah. this fall. You never know. Yeah, hey, I'm with it, man, because basketball is back to, well, yeah, basketball is back to where, where I like it, where there's, where there's a lot of great teams and anybody can win it. I know the Lakers didn't, didn't pulled off some things, and I'm just like, oh. Yeah, here come another super team. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. just when it was like, everything was pretty much even. Here's come the Lakers. Yep. Yep. But we'll see. That 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 doesn't mean that. Now, the one great thing I like about with, with a team like the Lakers, what they did is them to get these players and then lose. Now that that now it's just that's just funny to me. <laughs> yeah, they lost in the first round. <laughs> so. But you know what? Speaking of that point with the Lakers, before we get into the episode, I think it's really interesting to see LeBron was Westbrook, but also now the fact that Carmelo Anthony is gonna be on right. as well. I'm like, damn, they got a little squad over there, man. Man, I was in, I was I was watching the the news and I saw what they was doing, the trades and they, and I was like, man, lazy. What's Westbrook? I'm like, oh. That's it. They got Camilo. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. So that's going to be interesting to see there because it's only one basketball press. Yeah. Right. It's only one ball. So. And you know how Westbrook plays. Right. Right. (laughs) So I'm going to see how his style of play is. Is he going to conform to LeBron the way way they play or will they have to conform to him? So that's that's remaining the scene. Yeah. Because you know what? Russell. It's pretty much his way of the highway. So maybe when they all sat down and talked, maybe LeBron was like, cool, you can take the keys, man. I'm 36 years old, man. I just want to win another you know championship what? or two. You know what? Could be. Mm-hmm. Because LeBron showed you he's not a, a, a selfish player. He always, you know, no. has a ball and stuff. So he... I think that's one of the things, the criticism that he gets, that he's so unselfish. Right. You know, because he'll pass that shit in a late-game situation. And people <laughs> like, how come you ain't take that shot, LeBron? <laughs> 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 man, so but uh, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting, man. Out of far as uh, with the Bulls and stuff, so I can't wait to can't wait to check them out, man. Yes, sir. Well, hey, audience, thank you guys so much for the mailback questions, Jules. We got about twenty of them to, to just oh. backed up waiting on us. Oh so, man, yeah, okay. we'll we'll get through them as soon as we can. We'll, we'll probably answer a couple extra ones next week for you guys. We do apologize there, but we're working through it. All right. So on today's episode, audience. We're going to be pulling back the curtain on the critical race theory. Now, this has been all over the news. It's been a buzz for months now. Jules and I have talked about this off and on on some of our various episodes, but we figured, man, let's dedicate a whole discussion on this critical race theory and just share some of our thoughts on this. So I'm going to just kick it off, and Jules, you just jump in as you you kind of see fit. But for me, when I see this, 
And, I, and Jules, you brought up on a previous episode how you like to be balanced in what you watch. So you'll watch Fox News, you'll watch some CNN, you'll watch other various networks, right? Mm-hmm. So I was in the yes. gym. This might have been about uh, maybe two weeks ago. And uh, I was just looking at something, a headline that came on the Fox News TV that was going on on the gym. So, you know, I said, you know what? Let me go ahead and just plug into this channel and just see what the hell they're talking about, right? So they, they had the critical race theory up. And the way that they talked about it, Jules, and I was sitting here like, man, if I was someone that only listened to this type of uh, programming, I would just be totally like, am I just brainwashed? Because the way that they were talking about critical race theory, it made it seem like it was such a negative thing and almost in the sense that critical race theory is going to make white people be like the boogeyman and that everybody's going to hate white people and that Mm. this is something Mm -hmm. that you don't want in your schools, right? And so when I saw that, I said, damn, man, I said, why can't we just tell the story the way it actually is? Why can't we just tell it from all viewpoints and let people from themselves understand what this is and if this is something that their children should be exposed to. But I just wanted to just start that off to kick off the conversation because when I saw that, I said, damn, why is it so hard for people to acknowledge that the U.S. has a racist history and that that racist history still has impacts today? We can't do anything to change what took place in history, but we can't sit here and try to sweep it under the rug, Jules. My wife and I, we talk about this, this, this all the time when it comes up. Some people out there just, they want it, but they don't want it. Mm-hmm. But the ones who don't want it, like you said, Prez, think it's going to be, you're going to divide the country. Like you said, white, white, white people are the boogeyman. And, and and <laughs> you know, that white people are racist and you're just going to divide the country. And for the ones who want it, it's like, hey, you know what? We need this because we need to tell the history of Black, uh, of black history. Mm-hmm. Now, I was coming up, and I had Black history. I had Black history in, in grade school. Now, me, we said in this podcast plenty of times that Black history should be it with American history because we was here. Mm-hmm. We was here before America was formed to America. So it should all count. It should all be intertwined with each other. But, okay, so I'm in school. I'm in grade school, rather. And we have American history, but then we had a special subject called Black history. It's nothing new to us. But the problem I have is what we talked about previously on the podcast is the media or social media or the outside agitators who want to create this division. Mm-hmm. You can have both. Listen, there's nothing wrong with learning black history. You'll understand if, I mean, if you don't know about it, if you, you'll understand. Even if you don't care for it, if you're being taught something, you can understand or you can, you can okay, I can kind of see what's going on. I can kind of kind of put yourself in people's shoes. The problem I have is with with you got these networks and these these outlets creating this division press, and it's not good because you get one station saying, "Hey, this is what's going to keep the division." They'll think that America's a racist country, and and it's not good. We need to be united. Okay, fine. Uh, another side to say, "Hey, you know, we need this, and we need to teach it, and you force it." I don't know if that's either good either. I don't know. Right. Uh, it shouldn't be where you have to be forced this stuff. It should be, "Hey, we would like to." have a curriculum and, and, and learn about this because it's history. It's a part of history. You can't separate it, you know? Right. Well, so this is my point, Jules, and then also, too, for anybody that's listening to the words that Jules just said. Now, he talked about the fact that when he was in grade school, he had Black history. We did, too. It was a month, but it wasn't part of the main regular curriculum. So my thing is, why is it okay for African-American students or Hispanic students or any other student to learn about European history but then they're not also being exposed to their own history or other people aren't learning about their cultures mm-hmm. as well. 
that's my point when it comes to this whole thing. Why is there such backlash about the critical race theory when you and I were forced in school to learn about all these various wars and about the Europeans yeah. and things of that nature? I think it should be all the same thing. If if it's good enough right. for us to have to go through that, then why is it that parents don't want their kids to be exposed to the same curriculum that we had to? Because when we were coming up in school, that curriculum didn't speak to us. We didn't look like those people in those pictures, you know, in those books. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and don't forget, friends, we was getting a watered-down version. That's we right. got older and found out, you know, the real thing about Christopher Columbus and, 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 yeah. and Thanksgiving and all that stuff. So... <laughs> Yeah, man, because shit, they had us out here wandering around, saying all kind of stuff about Columbus, saying all this kind of stuff about this person. And then later in life, you start reading up on your own, and you're like, wait a minute, he did what? Right. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't switch it, boy, up in grade They switched school. it. <laughs> yeah, they switched it. But I think also one thing that I wanted to bring up is, okay, you brought up a point about divides, and you said that a lot of people probably feel like this critical race theory is going to come in and it's going to divide us even more so than we're divided now. Uh-huh. But I look at this that is no different than just bringing awareness to this stuff, right? It's no different than when we did an episode on redlining and we talked about housing segregation, Jules. Right. Uh, it's no right. different than we talked about some of the criminal justice policies that took place in the 90s. We talked about that with Biden and some of his policies that he passed back in the day. It's no mm-hmm. different than anything that we put out here that we're just trying to educate our audience on. So I wonder why is it now different when we talk, now start talking about the children and the school? Because it seems like once we started talking about teaching these children the right way, now everybody's getting pissed off. I think it's because right now the kids, it, it, it's kind of hard. Well, I'm just speculating. Sure. It's kind of hard to for them to understand. The dangerous part about teaching this is if you have the teacher to put some of their beliefs to it to to kind of persuade the, the kids coming up, hey, listen, if that's the case where, you know, America is racist, you know, you know how they put that subliminal messaging. That can be the dangerous part in it if for the people who oppose this in these schools. Perez, when I was learning this stuff, it was like, okay, I'm reading a chapter, we have a quiz or a test, and I can relate because it's my ancestors and stuff. And so I'm sitting up here like, okay, I can I'm down. I'm cool. It's my history too. But when right. you get people in these in these these rural areas and these in these southern states and these kids coming up, if you persuade these kids in a way where you think America's race, America race, they subliminal message, like I was saying, then you might have a problem when they get older. So like I said, I'm just speculating. I'm just throwing out stuff. Maybe that's why I'm thinking they don't want the kids to know this stuff. Maybe in the high school or, the, or collegiate level, but as far as grade school. I think is because their minds are not fully developed. They probably wouldn't understand. Maybe that's the reason. That's my uh, thought about it. Hey, and that's why we're having this discussion because mm-hmm. we're just, we want to just have this open dialogue about this. And listeners, we definitely encourage you guys to, to chime in and, and message us and reach out and let us know your thoughts on it because people act like this critical race theory is something that just came up. This thing has been around for more than 40 years. Right. right. <laughs> you it's know, not new, right. It's, it's not, not new. new. no. And so to me, it's just one of those things now where it just seems like when these school systems are trying to become more progressive, maybe become more inclusive, that you just have a lot of people out here that they just not rocking with the jewels. And just to make sure that people understand what we're trying to say here. And I agree with critical race theory in the, the way that it was created, the whole concept behind it is because it's letting you know that the core idea about race 
is that racism is not merely a product of individuals' biases or prejudices, as a lot of people think, but saying that it's something that is embedded in our legal systems and our policies. So Jules and I have talked about this. We did an episode where we talked about the, the criminal justice system with, with jails and how sentences are being handed down to people of color. We, we talked about Redline and how they drew grids, bro, and told you, hey, you, you guys live in this area, and that's going to be for the undesirables, and these people over here that are good people are going to live here in this area. That's our government that did that. So right. we have to understand that people are just bringing this stuff up just because they want to. This stuff happened. <laughs> we we talked about the mortgages, Jules. Right. Mm-hmm. They refused to offer mortgages to those black people in those areas. Yeah, we, yeah, I know one thing. We talk a lot about, about, the, Man. about the struggles about about the systemic racism or racism that, mm-hmm. that we that blacks or minorities go through. Yeah. And you know what? And to that point, I feel proud of the work that we've done on this show because a lot of the stuff we've been talking about this the Me whole too. time. Mm-hmm. You know? Me too. When I look at just all of the different things that are coming up about it right now, Jules, it just makes me wonder where is exactly the backlash is coming from? Because to the point that you were making, you were saying, hey, you know what? Maybe it is that some people feel like, you know, the kids, like, let them, you know, learn things as they progress. Let the kids, you know, be kids and all this other kind of stuff. And that's great. And I can see that. But I didn't have that benefit. When right. we were coming up, uh-huh. we were force-fed history the way that they wanted to whitewash it. <laughs> you know? You know what? Hey, Prez, you hit something on there. Right. We didn't have a choice. It was a correct... I mean, we it was no blowback. It was none. Our parents was going, marching to the school and having school uh, meetings saying, no, I don't want our kids to learn about this. It was, hey, we're learning this, and that was it. Like, okay. <laughs> Study material, and that was it. It was no pushback. So why right. should it be on this one? And Prez, and, and what we talking about, like, like we talking about, it's nothing new. They, you know what? It should be taught. Mm-hmm. Because it's history. The problem is divisionist. It's the problem. Yeah. Put it together. I don't believe it's going to change. Not a, not a thing. It's not yeah. going to change anything. You, but you at least you at least the young people are coming up in these areas that don't have black history or um hell even black students. Who, you know, at least they will learn about it. They can see a black person and won't be prejudiced or biased. That's the whole thing that that's what people would want to promote critical race theory. So kids that is not around or don't know black people or Hispanic or the case may be who doesn't look like them to learn to say, hey, you know what? We're all people. We're all the same. Nobody's better. No race is a master race. And everybody deserves opportunity. Everybody should be equal. That's to me. That's all. This is all this, all this is to me. Yeah. And, and, and I want to just back up what you're saying there by saying also the theory in essence is saying that racism is a part of everyday life. Mm-hmm. So whether you're white or non-white, and whether you intend to be racist, that nevertheless, sometimes you can make choices and decisions that add and fuel to racism. Okay. Now, when there were a lot of these shootings that were involving um, African-American people, a lot of times you had people that were saying, well, what did this person do? Mm-hmm. If they would have done this, this a certain way, that they would have not been shot. But meanwhile, you had a white person or a non-white person that same scenario, they weren't killed. And so a lot of times people will sit here and they'll make these comments to you and not even realizing what they're saying. So don't tell one person that they should behave a certain way, but then it's okay for this person to Correct. not comply. Right. Nope. Right? Nope. I, I feel I, I agree with you 100%, Press. What's you good know? for the goose is good for the game. 
I just don't want anybody to be shot up or anything like that. But don't sit here and make differences in people. We're all the same. And I think when Mm -hmm. I hear comments like that, Jules, it just adds to that further division that you talk about, right? Because now as as an African-American, when you hear someone that doesn't look like you saying that type of stuff, then you're just like, well, damn, my life, you don't give a shit about me is, 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 is okay. Is my life that? minuscule to you that, you know, it's just like, whatever, fuck you. <laughs> you you should have did this a certain way. No, that's not, that's not what it's about. So that's why I think that this critical race theory is important because there's a lot of people even today that are learning things about race that they didn't know before. Wouldn't it have right. been great if they would have had the opportunity and the tools to learn these things when they were younger? Right, right. You get them young. You get them young. My, my, I think my mom said the best time to discipline where kids know discipline from two to nine. You get these kids young, they grow up and be better people towards other race. And also, too, Jules, let's let's just be honest here. You know, we we talk about it here in Chicago. We talk about the disparities of these schools. The schools that are in the city, we talk about the curriculum is not on par with some of these schools where, you know, parents that, that are able to maybe pay private school tuition, those kids are getting access to better curriculum. Now, if these kids happen to go to this school because they are in this certain zip code, they're not going to have access to quality education. So when I look at just the way that the school system is designed, it's almost designed or set up for certain people to not succeed, right? So Uh when I look at this critical race theory, that's just one of the parts of the school system that I think needs to be tweaked. (laughs) We still need a lot of work to do just besides this one theory. But I feel like all the people that are spending their energy to be so upset and angry about this, why aren't you angry that there's kids out here that during the pandemic didn't even have access to technology to even do their remote work, that they were falling further Mm. behind than they already were? See, I want us to keep our energy and our eye on the prize in the sense of let's focus on things that are really out here that are a problem. It's not a problem to me for people to talk and discuss race. Those are conversations that need to be had. And if we were having those conversations prior, Jules, as a country and as a people, we wouldn't be in this fucked up predicament that we're in right now. One of the things about race press, me personally, is going to be here to leave this world. Because as long as you get humanity and get people, you you don't have racism. So as you said, there's other things that need to be talked about and addressed as far as this remote learning or better schools, better teachers, better supplies, better books. Yeah. Those things all need to be addressed. Like you say, we can't take our eyes off the prize on that one. And for it to be collectively, to be an overall great student, you need these, you need the tools. And you need great teachers and you need good schools and curriculars and and wherever the case may be as far as remote learning. And so with, with that, if there is something slacking, that's where parents need to, in the community, need to get together or aldermen or mayors or whatever need to get together and address these, address these extra uh, problems. Yeah. Now, I wanted to get your thought process on this, Jules. So we saw that there's been eight states that have basically gone and passed anti-critical race theory legislation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have Idaho, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Iowa, New Hampshire, Arizona, and South Carolina. They've all passed that legislation. How do you feel about them that they just have gone out there and just said, you know what, we're not doing this? I'm not surprised. And I I was just in Tennessee, too. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) stimulating their economy (laughs) I'm I'm not surprised because let's be honest it's black people it's black history they don't care some people don't care let me rephrase that because you have people out there that do care some people don't care 
what, what, what is going to do for them? Some parents on that worried about their kids learning things that the parents don't have the capabilities to address because mm-hmm. they don't know. Because they don't know. Because they don't have the tools themselves. Yeah. Right. But that's not a that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't because so all right, if the kids will learn it, hell, they can <laughs> that and then what what the parents would do, okay, let's say I have a kid learning something I don't know nothing about. What I'm gonna do, I'm gonna educate myself on it. So it's best for both, it's best for all worlds. That you only make yourself better. You only become a better person by learning something you don't know. It's messed up that these states vote against it. These cities vote against it because it's an opportunity to understand and know about people that, again, prayers, we're talking about history. I don't get it because it's a part of history. All you got to do is just put it on there. You're not going to transform these little kids into monsters. You'll right. make them better. You'll make them better. And and the point you made up some two points that I wanted to touch on because I really agree. The fact that it's not a bad thing for these kids to be more progressive than maybe their parents. Think about the way you and I grew up. I can tell, I could definitely tell you from my standpoint, my grandmother came up from Jim Crow South. Mm-hmm. She had a lot of oppression that she dealt with, which meant she had a lot of hatred towards other races, right? Mm. And so that stuff gets passed down. So growing up, I'm hearing all this stuff about a certain race of people, and I'm like, man, I don't want to fuck with them. They sound awful. <laughs> and so, you know, and so I didn't I didn't have a lot of exposure when in grade school to to white people or other cultures, anything like that. High school was my first exposure to the uh, opposite race. But I will tell you this one thing. That was one of the best experiences that I had because shit, by the time we graduated from Rita, man, I have friends from all walks of life. Come on. Come on. Mm-hmm. And it's different than the things that people taught me, but I had to learn for myself, which is no different than these kids being exposed to this critical race theory, because it opens up your eyes to things that you don't know. It opens up your eyes to, wait a minute, somebody told me this, but no, it's actually this over here. <laughs> it's not like what I was taught. And I think that that's right. really important. No, you hit it right on the head. Friends, I'm the same boat. Grew up in Inglewood, number of black people, black friends. I get, I get the reader, dang. And you know what? They're just like me. Yes. <laughs> we laugh, we have crack jokes, we cry, we learn, we run, we play, we're happy, we're sad, all that. Families, just like me. And it makes you a better person. You know, Hispanics, whites, uh, Asian. <laughs> we're all the same. We're mm-hmm. all the same. And we all have fun, friends, man. Dude, you hit on the head when you said you had the great time, best time of your life. And I, I did too. Mm-hmm. I did too. It opened up, it opened up your eyes, opened up your world. And it make you want to make hell. You, you go to different what you're doing now, you going to different locations, hang with different people, different ethnicity, different race, different cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all this is. Right. But that's <laughs> how, but but you know what? You can't get to the point you and I are at in life until you do the work. Right. Before that. And the work mm-hmm. before that comes in with understanding other cultures, understanding their plights. Because this is the thing. There's people, remember I was telling you, Jules, before on another episode where people didn't understand why Juneteenth was, was a holiday. Right. Well, guess what? If we had critical race theory in the schools. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. You would understand the different things that people go through. So maybe you don't want to send a text message to your African-American friend by wishing them uh, happy Independence Day on the 4th of July, you know, because now you've been educated. You learned, oh, your people actually weren't free at that time. Interesting. 
So right. a lot of it is education, but it also teaching you how to interact and engage with people so that you're not offending them because you don't want to be a part of the problem. Exactly. Chris, I, hey, I'm, I'm about to walk off, man. I ain't getting nothing. <laughs> exactly. Dude, exactly. That's all what this is. That's all what this is. The only thing left I have on this, Jules, is I just think that it's a horrible, horrible idea, and it does a huge injustice to these kids in these states that you guys are banning these type of discussions. So any sort of a law where you're going to tell a teacher that they can't have any sort of lesson that mentions race or racism, any sort of sexism. Right. Like, what are we doing? What what are we hiding from these kids, man? You're doing a big disservice because they need to understand, they need to learn this. It depends on how young we're talking about. But Mm -hmm. six, seven, eighth, your middle school, oh, yeah. Because they need need to know. They need to know. Right, they need, because I had black, I had African-American studies, I was in sixth grade. I was in sixth grade. It was a whole lesson, a different lesson. I had American history, and they split up. I had American history and black Black American history. So just just hey, just think of how much studying I had to I had to do with regular history and black American black history because <laughs> they split it, which they should they should put them both the same because it's a part of history. It's just messed up that they voted not to, which that they voted. You know, you see, I'm over in trouble for words because it don't make sense, bro. So I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get trying to get my thought together because you can't do nothing hiding and in, in, in shielding this no. because it, it happened. No, it happened. And now, Jules, there's an additional 20 states that are they have plans to introduce similar legislation to ban critical race theory. We're going. We're not. This is not a good direction. No, we're going backwards, not a, man. Yeah, we're going backwards. You're doing a disservice for these kids coming up, for people, for black people, hell, all race. So what's going to do? There's more than, than than black history. We're just one race. Mm-hmm. But you got other history. That's right. You got other history. What you going to do? You going to not talk about the Holocaust? Don't talk about them? And well, you know what this all comes down to, and it's the point that you made earlier, is that this makes some people uncomfortable to hear the truth about the history of race relations in this country mm-hmm. and the racial past of it. And now I'm, I'm going to tell a quick story before we get out of here. I had a conversation when I was when I was in St. Martin with uh, somebody else who's on vacation. He was from the Netherlands, and he's been living in the U.S. He said for the last six years, and so he said that he signed up for some classes because he wanted to learn a little bit more about the, the United States and the country and things of that nature. He said because he thought things were a little divided and a little racist, and he said from some of the classes that he's been in, he said he was alarmed at how little. He knew about the inequalities that happened in the in the history of this country. He was like he could only imagine if he had kids that grew up in this system and they went to schools. He said he would be upset as a parent at the schools and the teachers and even in some cases the parents because this situation is all of those individuals' faults. The schools, the teachers, and the parents because uh-huh. you can't tell me otherwise that these are the three factors of why these states are banning critical race theory. It's scary. It's scary to listen to this even and have this going on in America today, right. 2021. Perez, I said this plenty of times on the show. It is history. Yes. It is nothing new. That's right. 1619 Project, critical race theories, all the same. It's nothing new. No. It's just you're educating yourself on what happened in America as far mm-hmm. as with Black people. Now, one scenario for our audience to think about, because you guys, some of you guys are me listening to this and you'll probably say, hey, man, I agree with Jules and Prez. You know, they're making good points. Well, you may have somebody else that be on the other, other side of the totem pole and say, 
I still don't feel comfortable with my kids being exposed to this. Well, we want to bring up a situation that's going on right here in Chicago, in Evanston, where there's a current lawsuit that's going on where a a teacher who's white, she's taught this particular district there in Evanston for 20 years. Well, she has a Georgia-based conservative nonprofit company that is representing her in this case where she is basically trying to make sure that this school district in Evanston does not teach critical race theory in that city. Mm. Okay. She's saying in her lawsuit against the school district that their approach to teaching race violates the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And she also goes on to say in the 14th Amendment. Mm. She says that she took offense to the district separating teachers by race. And she said it happened during some anti-race training sessions. And she said she didn't agree because it made her feel like she was racist. And she said she's done nothing to be racist in her life. So basically what it sounds like in this teacher's, and I don't want to put words in her mouth, but when I hear this type of situation happen, she probably felt singled out because she probably has some of that guilt that's associated with maybe the past of her race, right? Because you have to think about it. There are some white people out here why they say, hey, we're your allies. Some of them were feeling guilty about the past. Well, you have other white people that are like, hey, I didn't do it, so it's not my fault. I didn't do it to you, so I'm not going to sit here and be held responsible for something that I had nothing to do with. So mm-hmm. maybe this teacher is on that boat of feeling like, hey, I didn't do it. I'm just trying to do my job. I don't want to be singled out. Okay. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Okay. Now, this is my problem. You got to have a little bit thicker and tougher skin because education in in theory should just be about educating and making these students better people Mm -hmm. and enlightening these students. If you have a problem with introducing race to these discussions, then that means you as an educator and a teacher, you're not doing your job totally. Because if you're okay with the whitewashed version of the way that the world goes, that you're not doing your job and you're doing all of your students a disservice, not just the black ones, but the Hispanic ones and right. the, all Caucasian students. Mm-hmm. I agree, Press. This is how she feels, okay? But like you said, Press, as a teacher, as a professor, as an educator, you got to educate and teach about what, what happened. And that's it. You know, you, Press, you have people that, it's kind of rough. If you're a spiritual person or you believe in a higher power, you believe in the Bible, as a teacher, there's something that you, you have to do. And for as people who, who's in the, in the Word and know what the Word stands and don't want to go against God's words, but you're living in this world that that is, man. I can teach about this, but my, my thoughts in, are, are, are here. That doesn't make you a, a lesser person or a bad person. You can still, you can still teach and do things uh, and, and better. And you might be able to put your own own spin to it where it's better for everybody. No, and that's a that's that's a you fair know what point. I'm mm-hmm. So for this teach for this teacher to say, like you said, we're doing a big disservice for not for not talking about this. That's the problem now. People are not talking, and that's why we're in position, and that's why we're in the position we're in now. Mm-hmm. You keep this is a, you you keep this division by not talking about it. Yeah. And if, if audience, if you guys are listening to the tone of our last three episodes, think about the stuff that we're talking about. We talk about toxicity of social media. This goes hand in hand with that type of content that we've been explaining to you guys, because these issues are one and the same. Because as Jules mentioned, 
because we refuse to have conversations with each other, we continue to be divided. Mm -hmm. We continue to be toxic on these social platforms and not really focusing on issues that actually matter. We're focusing on shit that doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. which we talked about on our cancel culture episode. Critical race theory is not some boogeyman. And the reason why I brought up this situation with this lawsuit is because I was offended when I read the the article on it, Jules, because I'm thinking about this. In Evanston, we talked about it on a previous episode while they were trying to give reparations to African-American residents in that city. Yep. Now you have a teacher in in this sense of this town that's trying to ban critical race theory in a damn school district that is majority minority. 52% of the students at this school are Black, Hispanic, and Asian. This teacher had a problem with going through anti-racist training. You don't think that it's a problem that as a white person that is dealing with diverse students, that you will want to understand how to better communicate with them and to better understand them? That's what this whole episode is about. How can I understand you if I'm not doing the work to understand? That starts with a conversation. It starts with having the tools to be able to even get to that point. And I'm going to tell you one thing, too, and I don't mean this to be funny, but good luck to that teacher that's suing that school district in the damn yeah. teacher's lounge this year. Right. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happened with that. I know one thing. She won't be able to go in that teacher's lounge anymore. She better be no. careful. I eat her lunch out of the refrigerator every damn day. <laughs> 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 oh man. Oh damn. Yeah, that's that's like that's that's weird. The 52% over half of the, the students are 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 black and Hispanic. You don't want to teach this. What is wrong with you, lady? <laughs> Jules, I'm gonna end this episode by saying this. Okay, okay. This is America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Land of the free, apple pie, and suing your employer because you don't want to be better. <laughs> yeah. Man, ain't that something? It's an apple pie. <laughs> Good luck with that. You know what? I want to uh, tell people uh, prayers. Listen, these states and the states that come that want to ban this thing, you know what? It ain't got to be banned. You can still go out there and learn about this. You can still go out there and learn about it. It's, but it's a damn shame that we got states and cities and people in this country where we don't want to talk about this history. And, and it's a part of history. It's a part of history and you don't want to talk about it. Why? Because I don't know if you want to rip band-aids or whatever the case may be. I don't know. But it's it's history. And I think everybody was, is going to be a better person. You learn about history. That's all. That is all. I, I can't I can't say it enough. It's not yeah. this is not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing at all. And an audience, we know. That we're gonna have people on different sides of the coin here with this with this argument, but I would encourage those people that agree with critical race theory being introduced to the schools, for you to continue to do your work to mm-hmm. fight against the legislation that's being passed to try to ban it, and then for the people on the other end of the spectrum, try to listen to these words, do your own homework, and do your own research, and understand that this isn't trying to make you an enemy. If you're a, a Caucasian person that's listening to this podcast right now. No one on this show has condemned you as a person, but we can't hide from the past. We can't hide from the Mm -hmm. fact that facts are facts. Mm -hmm. That's all we're talking about here. And so I think we all have to look at ourselves in the mirror about things in this world that we would like to see better. Well, that shit doesn't change automatically. We all have to do the work. 
<laughs> it's not just one race of first people that have to do the work. Us as African-Americans, mm-hmm. we have our own work that we have to do. But I will tell you that some of our people are Caucasian people in this world. You can't try to hide and shield this stuff and try to sweep it under the rug and try to say, well, you know what? This is uncomfortable for me to listen to. I don't want to deal with it because that's life. There's a lot of shit that we don't want to deal with, but you got to. So I just want people here when they're listening to this episode to just listen to this thing with an open mind. That's it. But we appreciate you guys for listening and we are out. Jules, gonna hit it with that curtain call, bruh. Perez, this curtain call goes out to Kimberly Crenshaw. Crenshaw has spent more than 30 years studying civil rights, race, and racism and is a professor at both Columbia and UCLA. Crenshaw coined the term critical race theory in 1989 as a way to describe how race, class, gender, and other individual characteristics intersect with one another and overlap. Kimberly, President Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast family, I'd like to thank you and appreciate all your hard work. Jules, thanks for that curtain call. As always, you can find this podcast on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Deezer, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate your continued support of the show. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast. Thanks for listening.